1: Postcast part of Locked On Atlanta on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Hawks postcast. Your home for the best Hawks talk, it's local insight. You can't get anywhere but right here at Locked On. I am Tanitra Batiste. Alongside me is Deshaun Tate. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account. And use code NBA for $20 of your first purchase. The Locked On Hawks podcast is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Now, Deshaun, the Hawks had a shot in their second game in the in-season tournament, right? But they let it slip away midway through the fourth quarter. Now, we'll deep dive on the Hawks' 126-116 loss to the Sixers in the and-one. But first, let's get teas and takes on what went down tonight. Deshaun, what's your top takeaway from this Hawks-Sixers game?
0: Uh, Outside of the fact, Tanisha, let me ask you this just to start things off. When is the last time that you had, and I'm asking for a reason. Okay. When is the last time that you had a sloppy Joe sandwich? (laughs) It's
1: probably been
0: years, like two or three years. Because you know them sloppy Joe sandwiches be busting. I haven't seen something as sloppy as a sloppy joe sandwich as i feel like i saw in this game and it might not necessarily reflect in a ton of turnovers per se but it just felt like it was just really odd and just a discombobulated very unorthodox type of game and it kind of happened mostly in spurts throughout the entire game from the from the beginning to the end so i don't know if i was the only one that seen that i digress nonetheless because now i'm having arguments with that's no that's that's valid That's bad. Now I'm having arguments with my stomach over here. Um, realistically, though, like, honestly, I think that and, and this is an oddly optimistic view from me, but I think we're kind of seeing the Hawks grow before our eyes in some ways. And I don't mind elaborating a little bit, but I'll be honest with you, even more so the fact that um, I think, you know, when we had this conversation on last week, the question, the elephant in the room was, what is the Hawks identity? And I'm like. I don't know. And you reminded me how clear it was with the expression on my face that I really don't know. But I feel like I am getting a little bit more of an answer of that and that this okay. team is going to compete no matter what. Like, and, and then I feel a lot more confident and comfortable with saying that their runs in the second quarter can really be considered a thing going forward. I'm really happy with the contribution from the bench, too.
1: Okay, and I can give you that like the bench. I'm always I've been pleased with them this entire season, at least so far. But for me, I feel like the one area that's still frustrating and maybe patience is is a virtue that I'll need so that this won't be so frustrating. But it's how does a game that's in hand get out of hand so quickly? Because this was a game where it was just a one point deficit at halftime for the Hawks. Then the Hawks started the third quarter on a 10-0 run. But then just a little bit later in the quarter, there was a series of bad positions on defense. The Hawks found themselves down by eight, and it was just like, okay, how did that kind of swing happen? How do you come out all guns blazing, go on a 10-0 start, the Sixers take a timeout so that they can gather themselves, and then slowly but surely they build up an eight-point lead And it felt like once they built up to that eight-point lead, which was arguably very, very close to 10 points or double digits, that's what I'm saying, it just felt like there was never a moment from that eight-point lead, there was never a moment where I felt like the Hawks had a chance to come back. And that was troubling. And I'm still scratching my head on that one. Like, How did a series of bad defensive plays literally cost you the game? Because that's what happened. They never really recovered from that. They would get, get it down to seven, even down to five. And then it'd be right back up to eight. And at one point, 14 points in the fourth quarter. And ultimately they lost by 10.
0: Yeah. I think, you know, and and by far as it's not an excuse, but there's this guy and he calls himself the reigning MVP. And I don't know a single player nor a single team that can really find a way to stop. Like, I feel like the only way to stop Joe MB is if he decides to, um, you know, to stop himself. Yes. Um, Forcing him to shoot some much deeper outside shots. It seems like everything that he got on tonight was from like free throw line, elbow-ish, mid-range. Yeah. You didn't force him to take some of those terrible shots uh, from outside. Um, right. And force them into long rebound situations where the Hawks just have to really be quicker the, to the ball uh, and really forcing him to get up and down the floor. Sometimes they did a pretty good job in terms of fast break points. We know that, uh, mm-hmm. that, you know, Philly is one of the better teams in getting out and transitioning and so forth. Uh, the Hawks did a pretty good job on that tonight, even in terms of paint points where uh, mm-hmm. Philly is very good as well. The Hawks did a good job defending much of that but you really got to force him to get up and down the floor. And when there are those short windows of opportunity of breaks in between, he's got his hands on his knees and he's huffing and puffing. The Hawks never really put him in that position to force him into those type of frustration situations.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I don't feel like Joel and B had to fight for anything he got. I feel like he got his 32 pretty darn easy. And I felt like, you know, Tyrese Maxey took a minute to warm up, but when he heated up, that was it was all she wrote. And Tobias Harris, I mean, literally, it was like he was, everything he was throwing was just falling in the basket. And I don't know that there was anyone to necessarily stop him, but on the same token, I feel like at some point, like you said, if you've got to take Joel Embiid away, take him away, however you take him away, and force the rest of the team to beat you, but don't let him... And their whole team beat you. I think the only person that didn't beat them necessarily was Robert Covington. Right. That's it from the starting lineup. So that's the thing that kind of bothered me as well. I felt like, okay, and we talked about this. Where where will the Hawks get the defense from for the big men that they can't get a handle on? We talked about Giannis Antetokounmpo being one that they could, because for whatever reason, Njego Okangu has his number, but couldn't do a darn thing against Joel and B. And a lot of it is—I mean, I was driving home and literally listening to the radio broadcast. And the minute I got in the car, what's the first thing I hear oh, double O with a vowel. I mean, and even though he just same thing from last game, just three personals, but his personals are always at the worst possible time he's always going to be like you know he's always going to make you shake your head and and then and so he's probably the only one okay maybe Wesley Matthews but other than Wesley Matthews I mean because two points I mean what is that like in my opinion that makes me ask why you just play A.J. Griffin I I still Mm -hmm. not quite sure I understand that and A.J. Griffin would have actually given you a pretty decent big body. He's not the best on defense, but he tries. But at a minimum, AJ Griffin probably gives you 8 points,
0: 10 yeah. points.
1: Maybe that makes a difference in the game. I don't know.
0: I'm I'm still a little bit lost on how come we don't really see much of AJ Griffin. Uh I'm still scratching my head on that one. And obviously everybody's coming into this game trying to figure out, you know, how is this team going to defend the one of the best duos uh, in this league, which is Joe Embiid and Tyrese Maxey. Um, I, I, I I know that it's clear that the Sixers are really good in terms of getting up and down and so forth on the offensive side, but they don't do as great of a job on the defensive side of terms of transition defense. I thought that was something that the Hawks were trying to exploit. They Mm -hmm. just didn't do it often enough.
1: Yeah, and I was thinking the same thing. There were opportunities that they had. There were a couple times where I thought, okay, you probably should have held that ball earlier in the clock, or there were a couple of uh, three-pointers that were ill-advised. And when you start looking at it, it kind of feels like the game a couple nights ago, except, of course, a little bit more space maybe than what they had with the Knicks, but very similar lines, right? as far as field goal percentage, 49%, 45%. I mean, that's pretty even, right? Now, three-pointers, that's where you kind of get the differential of 43% to 36%. That's probably one area they lost the game. I will tell you, I am troubled yet again at how in the world the charity stripe was a problem. How did you let, and don't get me wrong, seemed like the referees were calling some ticky-tack fouls, but of the 28 fouls or free throws, they made 27. That's crazy. Um, And the Hawks are that team. They're usually the ones that are good from the uh, charity stripe, but only 24 of 30. So yeah, there were just some things where I said to myself, well, when you do some of the things, and we'll talk about it in the deep dive, but when you do some of the things that they do, ultimately speaking, this is how the game kind of slips away from you. So Anyway, we will do more Hawks, Sixers, any and one. But first, let's talk about BetterHelp and let's talk about game time. So BetterHelp is an opportunity for you to, again, take advantage of and take control of your help, your own. So this time of year, it can be a lot. It's natural to feel some sadness or anxiety because some people have had loss, but adding something new and positive to your life can counteract some of those feelings. So therapy can be a bright spot amid all of the stress and change, something to look forward to, to make you feel grounded and to give you the tools to manage everything going on. And that is where better help comes in. If you've benefited from therapy, this is your chance to again, benefit from therapy if you need it, or if you this is the first time for you, it's something that you might want to think about because, hey, it's entirely online. That's the great opportunity here. It's virtual for you. And it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You'll get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So again, you can find a bright spot this season and it is with BetterHelp. Betterhelp BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA gets you 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp and that's H-E-L-P. Dot com slash locked on NBA. So guys, now I want to talk to you a little bit about game time. And I got a good story to tell today because a friend of mine, she wanted Hawks tickets for her dad and her. And unfortunately I couldn't get them as a Hawks employee. Sometimes you win them, sometimes you lose them. Today couldn't get them for her, but I told her about Game Time. I told her it was a user-friendly app. She could get last-minute tickets. There were flash deals, and I kind of looked into the app to give her some insight into how you are able to look at the seats in the venue as if you were right there in the venue. So I also told her, hey, with the Game Time guarantee, you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, you'll get credit at up to 100% and 10% of the difference. So I got it to download the Game Time app. You should too. Create an account and use code LockedOnNVA for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms do apply. And again, you can create an account and redeem code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, Sean, let's dig a little bit deeper into this game. We talked about the third quarter and kind of where we saw some things unravel for the Hawks, but we've got to talk about that fourth quarter as well. The Celtics, uh, Sixers rather, opened the fourth quarter outscoring the Hawks 15-8. to And that's really where you started seeing this game slip away. Uh, The lead got up to 14 for the Sixers. And we said it before, although the Hawks were able to get it down to five, ultimately speaking it shot right back up to 14 in a matter of seconds so how did that happen
0: i know at this point of the game tanitra we had already been looking at him being out for a while i don't think that it helped a lot with one of your better defenders especially on the perimeter where seemingly you know at first we're just talking about joe Embiid, right hungry hungry hippo feed the big man in the middle now it becomes a work yourself inside out type of game not outside mm-hmm. in but inside out yes, um yes. when you do that that is the formula of success you know and and that is a recipe for success right so when you have that all of a sudden now they're hitting outside shots mm-hmm. i did send you a text message during the game and i right. told you that i love the idea of what i saw from deandre hunter because there are those instances where i just feel like regardless of the inconsistencies or whatever the case may be i just don't get enough fire lit up under his butt yeah. sometimes and i think that he had every reason to feel the way that he did oh, yeah, he slid yeah. over in more than enough time to be able to draw the contact on a charge from joe Embiid. he yeah. falls to the floor while he's on the floor joe mb gets the rebound and trying to put up a shot and That's so forth right. and he falls yeah. over That's him cool and yeah I mean, and and, and granted, DeAndre Hunter, let's just be honest about it. You know, he had a reason to be pissed off. Yeah. Right. And so um, from that standpoint, you know, he's he's getting into becoming a different type of DeAndre Hunter, which I love because I feel like that's something that if it's a different game and he's not using some of the language that he did as consistently as he did in this game, he gets angry. And I'd like to see him what he looks like when he's angry. You don't see that often. He's okay, calm. But I want to see him a little bit more angry. So that's just the first part. Um,
1: Okay, let's just hear
0: that. Because
1: uh one of the things that you said was that, you know, this is what what we're going to see or something to that effect. And I'm thinking, nope, it's one game for Dre. That's the whole problem with DeAndre Hunter. Yeah, yeah. Never see the same thing out of him twice. So if you ask me if I think that's going to put enough fire under his butt for him to come back and blaze on Tuesday against the Pacers, I don't. Now, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But that's the problem. Like, yeah, it's great to see fire, but it's also great to see maturity and understand the situation and understand that you're one of the few guys who, if you play perimeter defense, you give the, the Sixers a chance, you uh, Hawks a chance to stop the Sixers. And so I think that's the only caveat for me. I just wanted to say, like, no – I've never seen DeAndre Hunter show fire in back-to-back games such that it will actually matter. So I feel like Hunter talks more than it'll help Hunter in the long run because I don't think we're going to see this again, but we certainly could have used just a little bit more defense
0: on the perimeter. But I think what it is is that it is an example of what we do need to see right Mm -hmm. and i think that that's up to the leadership on i think that's up to the leadership on this team yeah i also think that that's up to uh coach quinn to say hey when he's not playing well or he when he's not being that person i need you to be that guy do you you want me to take you all the way back to november and remember how fired up you were about that call that you didn't get i need you to be that person and because he doesn't get that way very often That'll be something that sticks with him that he can remember. Now, we, none of us know, had he been able to still remain playing um, and not kicked out of the game, what, he, what kind of player he would have come back as. But it would be nice just to say, well, we didn't know because we never had a chance to find out. Now we have that chance to find out. So I think it's just one of those things, you know, where where somebody has to be the one to get him fired up in that way. I just hope that it doesn't have to take bad officiating to get us back to that point again.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I hear what you're saying, but I just think at this point he is who he is and there's nobody there won't be any extrinsic motivation that can make him show what he showed like yeah he was ticked off in that moment but i don't see and i hope i'm wrong i now this one i want to be dead wrong (laughs) but i just don't see the guy fired up what i want to actually see quinn snyder do is rotate him out of the starting lineup quicker like even if he starts deandre hunter and if he sees that he's not giving him anything on either side of the court make the change that's one good thing i like about quinn snyder whereas we didn't see that quickly enough with nate mcmillan And so, yeah, Quinn Snyder, since we're able to see that with you a little bit more often than not, then let's see it at that small forward position because that's kind of your swing position, right? Where you could possibly, and I know I keep saying it, but you could possibly put AJ Griffin in there and see what he can give you. And Sadiq Bey, technically you can put him in as well. Now, if you want me to talk about somebody getting fired up that's going to stay fired up, yes.
0: That would be Sadiq Bay. Yeah. No, I, I I agree with you on that. And I again, it seems like you know, the last couple of weeks we keep beating a dead horse with a dead horse. But <laughs> yeah, this okay. is but this is some optimism for the Hawks. And this is kind of going I'll back to what that. I was yes. telling you that I think that we are seeing them grow before our eyes because one thing that they're showing is that they can compete. When Trey Young is not having a typical Trey Young type of game where he's lighting it up and he's somewhere within 30 or 40 points. This is a a, a team that we are seeing still able to compete where I don't even know where the hell DeJounte Murray was tonight. But even then, I still think that things like that is good for this team because it's teaching them that they cannot just rely on one or two guys. We're seeing Bogey Bogdanovich out there getting at least into the teams almost every night. I mean, Mm -hmm. we're seeing Sadiq Bey do things. I mean, we don't need to keep on beating that dead horse. Almost 20 points on tonight, the last game and so forth. Jalen Johnson, here's my question. And this is for anybody, any of the listeners and viewers and so forth. Feel free to hit up to Nietzsche and or me in the DMs or Twitter X, whatever they're calling it nowadays. How long did you think that it would take before we got to a point where we would be having realistic conversations about Jalen Johnson leading this team in scoring? I mean, all hats off to him. And I'll be the first one yeah. to raise my hand. And I apologize for getting long-winded, Tanisha, because I'm definitely about to pass it over to you. But I have to be, I'd be remiss. If I'm going to be the person that's always talking about how I'm right about something, I love to be wrong even more, especially when it's a plus for this team. I've ragged on Jalen Johnson in the recent past, in recent history. I, I, I've said he's nothing more than just a stretch forward jump shooter who doesn't like to get his hands dirty, his nails dirty, and all that kind of stuff. I said he acts too light-skinned. I can say that I'm light-skinned, Tanisha. So that's just how I personally feel, have felt about him. Kudos and credit to Jalen Johnson for proving me wrong. I love to see it. The dude is balling out of control and one of the best field goal percentage Um, Yeah. uh, Leaders in the NBA right now.
1: Yeah, because he he is that guy. He's efficient when he takes a shot. It's always pretty much a good shot. Now, it may not fall, but it's the it's that basketball IQ that we're looking for that we see. Also, we see that basketball IQ on defense because he's not just going to run amok. And granted, you might look at his numbers and say, okay, you know, 18 points, not a lot. But when you drill into it and you see seven to 12 shooting amazingly efficient game you see 10 rebounds that's and and there were some things that he did just to keep balls alive right and i think that was important as well because he might low key be one of those leaders or emerging leaders where his play actually inspires the team because it's kind of a quiet fire but he is fire too so that he would be one of the good takeaways that if they can get that consistency with him and maybe just find a little bit of a second or a third gear when the, in those moments where Trey goes out, because we know he typically is going to go out at the end of the third quarter or the beginning of the fourth quarter. Not coincidental that that's when the Sixers actually took off a 15 yeah. to eight run, but ultimately speaking, that's maybe one of those areas where they can tweak. And maybe what happens is a part of the front court really steps up and does their thing when the back court is absent of Trey Young. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about who's got next, but first. Wanted to tell you guys and download with you on Picks. All right, guys. So Picks, of course, is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They're the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you know, against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. Now, prize picks can be really fun because you can win up to 25 times the money this basketball season, just let like two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats and boom, place your entry. Now, this week on prize picks, you might select Steph Curry, but you know, he's hobble a little bit, so what? He may go for 20 more than 29 points against Nikola Jokic. Who knows how that might happen? Kevin Durant is out there balling again. So he might be a guy that you want to go against. And they talked about our own Trey Young and whether or not you want to bet that he'll have more than 10 assists in the game. Well, guess what? Tonight he had 13. You're likely to see that once again in the game Tuesday against the Pacers. So here's what you should do to check out prize picks. Go to their website, pricepicks.com slash Nba Use code NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that is prizepickscom slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A. Use that code for a first deposit match up to $100 for price picks. So, Deshaun, we got to see the new court. And the new uniforms for the Hawks, I personally like them. I probably, because like, you know, I lean into the whole Carolina thing. So yeah, like, I love it. But also, seriously, I love when you can take a light color and a dark color and put those together. And I thought it was, I thought that court was awesome. And I can say that because I saw some janky looking courts like the Jazz tonight where that, that purple, that Mardi Gras thing was just not happening for them, right? It's still just weird having, you know, the Utah Jazz have our Mardi Gras colors. From New Orleans but yeah that court not so much that Hawks court that was a good look and I really like the uniforms too
0: I like it like i am be I love it like even the the you know the text the font on the front of the uniform with the all <laughs> lowercase letters and I mean I like it and I like that Carolina blue that well, I'm from call it baby blue i don't even know if there's really a such thing but i like just i kind of like how you said the lighter blue and then i don't know if that's black or or, or like a deep navy blue or whatever it is yeah. but i just like that idea maybe not as much the entire court uh kind of <laughs> looking like a swimming pool or what have you uh but i think it's good and it's not only good just because of the coloration you know the way that the colors mix well together right but you know i'm You know, when you typically think Atlanta, and I think we talked about this before. Mm -hmm. When you typically think Atlanta, you think the Atlanta colors. You think the red, you think the black, and you think the white and things like that. You know, you see Mm -hmm. it with Hawks. You Typically, you see it with Georgia, UGA. You see it with Falcons and whatnot. I'm okay with going outside of that realm a little bit as long as the the coloration looks nice. This was very sleek. It's very neat. And I just, I, I loved it all across the board. I mean, like, I like it a lot. I probably like it probably more than most people. Like, I want to go out and buy me. You know what? That gives me an idea. Maybe that could be on my Christmas list uh, for me to be able to get something in that that that, that Carolina blue uh, right. Atlanta or something.
1: Right. Well, I hope I can get my jersey because the Hawks are always good to the media and they gave everybody personalized jerseys and i didn't have one tonight but i'm hoping that when i get back to the station monday that it'll be there because i hate to make a phone call but i will make a phone call because they are that fly anyway the hawks are back at it tuesday they got a couple days to kind of reset and figure out how to tweak some things before they get with tyrese number two that they have to go up against tyrese halliburton and the pacers come tuesday so what does that matchup look like for them? What's their opportunity there to get a win and make sure they don't have a three game skid and also to get back into the over 500 column in the tournament play?
0: I think that it is essentially the things that are always going to put you in the win column. First of all, keeping the turnovers down, not just getting them down, but keeping them down. They did a good job, pretty good job on tonight. Um, anytime that yes. you're just barely into the teens or underneath the teens, um, you know, less than the teens, I, I think that that's usually a good number. Um, offensive mm-hmm. rebounds, rebounds in general, for sure. I mean, you got to remember something. While a lot of people still were ragging on John Collins and whatever else, what have you, you you could be using some of those rebounds, any little bit that you can get right now, because teams are going to be bigger and they're going to want to pick on. Uh, The Atlanta Hawks, especially because, you know, Trey Young is not a, you know, dominant rebounder and sometimes DeJounte Murray, they run a lot of guards out there. So teams are going to want to out rebound them. They got to be quicker to the ball and so forth. So they got to make sure that they're doing that. And just from a size standpoint and comparison, both of these teams are very even in those regards um so you know while you do have like a Miles Turner and one or two other bigs on that roster that's very similar to what Atlanta has on its roster so um defending the three-point you know defending the perimeter um you know with um with Buddy Healed. hopefully that can go much better than it did with Tyrese Maxey tonight um yeah. and uh def- defending the perimeter on 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 uh, Tyrese Halliburton as well hopefully better than it did with Maxie tonight as well.
1: Indeed, indeed. So we shall see. But listen, we appreciate you guys, as always, stopping by the Locked on Hawks postcast after every Hawks game. And, of course, don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Again, we appreciate you for stopping by, and we will see you Monday on the Atlanta Football Party.